Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Good afternoon, lacrosse fans. Welcome back to, well, it could be anytime, I suppose, uh, when you're listening to this podcast. But it does come out every Tuesday here via the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. It's called Lacrosse Classified. You can call it Lax Class for short. This is episode number 71. And my name is Jake Elliott. My podcast partner's name is Evan Schemenauer. As we welcome you back here to Lax Class. And I don't quite know what the adjective to describe what kind of episode this will be, Evan. Hopefully we can do a little learning. Hopefully we can... Have a little fun and do a little reflecting as well mm-hmm. um, throughout the, the next foreseeable future here. I think we'll be with you for about an hour. We got the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League coming up in one, Nick Sakevich. And can't thank Nick enough for, for making time for us here on, on Lacrosse Classified on a on an episode like we're about to have, I can't imagine how many things he's got on his plate right now, but we will talk to Nick uh, in about, I want to say about 20, 25 minutes from now, Evan, as I'll welcome you onto the podcast. Uh, you're back in Saskatoon. As I look out my, my window here on a, on a Monday afternoon, Evan, I, I look outside and I, I see a beautiful sunny day. I see people walking up and down the street. I see cars out on the road. And it all looks normal, but it doesn't feel normal. No, and, you know, maybe the way to describe how this podcast is going to go is that the world has just changed, and so is the, so will the podcast. I mean, there's, we're not immune to anything. And I, I spent most of the weekends hunkered down indoors. You know, of course, kids' activities were all called off and whatnot. I maybe spent a couple hours shopping, getting some necessities on Saturday, but... Mm. You know what? It wasn't so bad. Even with no sport, like almost no sports on TV, it still wasn't so bad. And actually, if you got to take some pauses away, it was nice to have a weekend where you got away from the game, you got your head straight. Now, unfortunately, it's not going to be just one weekend. It's going to be multiple, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, it's a sunny day here too, but... Saskatoon and Saskatchewan as a whole really is just starting to wake up today. And I say in the last couple of days, um, one of my, one of my halftime jobs, we shut the office down for the next two weeks minimum today. So that was not easy. Well, I know. I mean, uh, to recap kind of how, I mean, we've all known about COVID-19, the coronavirus, it's been kind of spreading its way through like, Italy is in some real serious trouble. Uh, Spain is now on a full lockdown. China, where the virus began, has started to kind of make a recovery. But you got to remember that they're kind of two months ahead of the clock on everybody else about how the it started and, and how the recovery is going. And I don't know about you, Evan, but like I, there there seems to be so much to learn about this and how it works and how it spreads and how to stop it, how to control it. What's the next step for 
containment? What do we do in this situation? And you get a lot of the same information, but there always seems to be a, a couple of new things that pop up as as days and, and literally hours go along. Your best bet right now is to to rely on credible news sources. And there's, there's going to be a lot of banter on social media and things like that. Your best bet is to go to reliable sources. Rely on your major news networks and medical authorities. Um, what are some of those, Evan? Through. The world or CDC, WHO, give me kind of the, the right ones here. Yeah, I mean, in Saskatchewan, it is Health Saskatchewan, uh, CDC, World Health Organization. I mean, I go to my trusted news sources like CTV, CBC, CNN, you know. Stay away from Fox. Like, like CNN actually has medical doctors coming onto the show and providing information. So, you know, you're going to the right sources. But let's put it this way. We thought... A week ago, like we did the podcast Monday night, we're predicting games for next weekend, yeah. assuming games were going on. Um, then Tuesday it was, okay, there's just not going to be any player access, but this is not anything still to be concerned about. And we went from that to that to Wednesday night, NBA shutting it down yeah, Rudy, because there's a positive test. Yeah, Rudy Gobert right. getting uh, a positive test back. He wasn't in the building, but he's giving it to a teammate and – and as soon as the NBA made the decision to, to shut down, they were kind of the first major league to go, enough of this, we're shutting down. And then the NHL followed quickly, as did the NLL. And then we saw, like, world championships here, there, everywhere just say, okay, like, this is what needs to happen. And and it seems now here it's gotten to a point where Countries are, are starting to be proactive instead of reactive, and I think that's what needs to happen to what they call lessening the curve here, or, and that's that's getting this thing under control. But I think in the coming days and, and maybe even weeks here, Evan, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, it is, and we look at the impact on lacrosse. I mean, the Ivy League was actually the proactive one. Right. They were the ones that, that shut down – their lacrosse first, and that was the sad one, actually, in that you had all these people on Twitter going off saying, you just cost my senior his eligibility, right? And then when, you know, an NBA starts to shut it down, then people start, because when the NLL announced it, I, I didn't see anybody saying, what are you thinking, what are you doing? Now, by now, they wouldn't have had a choice because of, how tight the borders are yeah, shut down. They, they couldn't have. They yeah. couldn't travel. You, you could, but it's very difficult. And so, yeah, but, I mean, that's there's really so many impacts going on. You know, when, like, let's be honest here. The CDC is saying eight weeks. Sports should be shut down for eight weeks at this stage. Well, I saw now, a report come out of the NBA, Evan, where the NBA has now said that the earliest they are expecting to play a game again is June. So yeah, so that's, that's ten weeks. Yeah, and that's I mean, so nobody else is going to go. Okay, well, it's okay for us two weeks before that, like that. And and I'm not saying the NBA is calling all the shots on this thing, but I think everybody's got to be in lockstep with each other here on the right court. And like, look at the UFC here, Evan. They they are continuing to hold events without fans. Nope. 
Nope, they just announced that five minutes ago. Okay. They so, shut them down. So there you go. So that, this is what I'm talking about, people, that the world is changing literally hour by hour here. And I think, and not to, you know, sit here and hammer on the alarm button, because people also need to get their facts straight here, Evan, that this this virus, this disease, yes, it is a... It is one that attacks the elderly, people with underlying conditions. Yes, you know, if you're a relatively healthy adult, you're going to survive. You're going to get through this. It's, you know, it's, it is a, a flu-like virus, but that's not really what it's about right now. It's about, like, if, you know, if I got it, I'll, I'll be okay. I'll get through it. But it's about who I give it to. That's the problem, right? Like I have an elderly yeah. father who's in a care home that is now under complete lockdown with no family members in or out, no matter what. And that's a precautionary measure. And it's tough for me, like who I visit, try and visit my dad as often as I can. But I'm also at peace now knowing that nobody is getting in there to, to, to infect that building. Yeah. I, I've, I have with my other halftime job, I have the option to work from home, and probably in a couple of days I'm going to be using that. Um, I've got an at-risk daughter. She's diabetic, right? So she's at risk. But, you know. It's as simple like, I as, guess, it, I, I guess, mean, the, yeah. I follow the steps here, right, Evan? It's And we can't, I don't think we can mention these things enough, is you wash your hands. Stay away from mass gatherings. Um Six feet away, social distancing, all these things. Like, I, if if people are awake enough to understand that taking care of themselves is taking care of other people, that's what it needs to be. And and mm-hmm. the selfishness of some that I've seen with the the hoarding at, at grocery stores, going into like survive. The world is not coming to an end. Like, we are not going to lose power. We're not going to lose running water. We're not, these, like, we're not going to run out of food. These things aren't going to happen. I, like, I want to believe in mankind and, and humanity here, Evan, that, like, I see some of these pictures and videos online of people, like, fighting over a roll of toilet paper and, you know, taking every canned good out of the store that they can get their hands on like it does not need to come to that no i mean i'm a little bit lucky because i grew up in a small town and i still kind of have that small town mentality where the nearest grocery store might be a 30 minute drive away so you typically bulk up on things and you have freezers and things like that so i'm okay um you know and i've probably got a three-week food supply here at any given point in time anyhow yeah, I mean, prepare, but, prepare but I, yourself, I, I, but remain a human being. Like, I, I, like, be no, prepared, I but also. But where I was, where the, I was kind of happy this past today, right, is that I go through the slack on my other halftime job. Where the, the office is still open, but you know, out of fifty people in the office, eight said, "I'm coughing. I'm staying home." Yeah, perfect, right? Three partners, or sorry, two partners and another senior manager. They all came back from traveling from the U.S. in the last couple of days. Oh, Jesus. They're staying home. Okay. I thought you were going to so, say they came into work, and I was just going to be like, man, 
I, so, I mean, I, it sounds like now I haven't read the latest here, Evan, but I think uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has, has shut down the Canadian border completely, except for the U.S., um, if, I, if I read the re- report rightly last or time. Or if shut. you're a Canadian or a PR, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's like I... For me, like I, I see these like mass crowds like jamming into Costco to get supplies, and I think like, what are you guys doing right now? Like you're not, you're you're defeating the purpose. Like you're you're, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I I think uh, we've seen we've seen recreation centers, we've seen minor league teams, we've seen all sorts of things uh, completely start to to close their doors here and. And I don't think it's going to come to a point where you have to lock yourself inside and do not breathe out air into into the world for for two weeks. It might. I don't know, Evan. It might. No. But uh, it, it's time to start shutting down the bars, shutting down the schools, shutting down the library, and be proactive instead of reactive. I, I can't stress that enough. Yeah, and of course, my second home is Las Vegas. My parents are actually down there still. And to hear the stories of what's going on there, because this is... Well, Vegas, I mean, the books. The books. Like, this is March... It's the opening weekend of March Madness. It's one of the busiest weekends in Vegas. And MGM has shut down its casinos. There's a few that are still staying open, but they're at, like, 10% capacity uh you know friends of ours down there they're entertainers they're independent contractors they're out of work all of a sudden there's a whole lot of people being laid off and that's the unfortunate thing with vegas is that it's a feast or famine economy it always has been it's going to continue to be that way well well, i mean hey like i'm literally and i'm no way making this about me evan but i'm literally out of a job right now like i'm not i'm not getting a, a regular paycheck uh with the season on hold here and it's it's scary, but that at the end of the day is probably the furthest thing from my mind. Like I, I can't worry about that right now. I got bigger things on my mind, so it's tough. And and uh, we'll talk to Nick about it here coming up. But I just, uh, just educate yourself, people. Be smart about it and be proactive. Don't be reactive, and uh, everything will be okay. We'll all get through this together. But. It, you know, I think it's important to talk about it, Evan. I know this is a lacrosse podcast, but I think th- this is a really important conversation for people to realize. And I made a comment on Facebook, like I, I got sick of seeing people joking about it and putting up memes and cracking funny. It's it's real, and and a lot of people are scared, and and you should be a little bit scared, but you shouldn't be in a panic. You should educate yourself, prepare yourself. And take the take the necessary precautions here to get through this, and everything will be be okay. But it's the people that think this isn't going to touch me, it, this isn't coming my way. I'm not worried about it. It's a hoax. It's a government scam. Like all these different. Just take a look at the world around you here a little bit, and and then try and be there for one another. But do it the right way. No, I mean, could it be another SARS? Well, it's already greater than SARS, but. Who knows? Maybe it could, but you know what? Even if we go through all these precautions and it goes away, I'm more than happy if it just goes away, right? And we did the right thing at the time. It was tough going through last weekend without any games, I'm not going to lie. Never mind no lacrosse, no sports, but uh, it just, I don't know. Like, I, it's weird. I just, 
I don't know how it's going to be okay for one league to come back and another not to come back. Again, if you're, you know, even if you try and do it in a smaller facility like the track or like the LEC with no fans and just bare essential staff, it's still more people than gathering than the recommended number of people yeah, that no, they want. You would do that when it's safe. Yeah, but I mean, like, I just, so. if it, so then my question would be, well, if it's safe enough to do that, then it's safe enough to go back into a big building and have people. True enough. You know, but like it's, it doesn't matter if it's 30 people or, or 30,000 mm-hmm. people. It just takes one person. But here, here's where they're going to run into trouble. And that is if they're now if they're in Saskatchewan or Halifax, they're the number one tenant. They're okay. They're going to get some pretty good dates. But think of Colorado, right? They are third fiddle. Toronto Rock, they are third fiddle when it comes to that arena. So you've got an NHL and an NBA who are already going to be scrambling to reschedule games and trying to take up every available time slot. And the difficulty the NLL is going to have is midweek games. Well, a lot of guys have careers. Mm. They can't make these games. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, are you going to start to see practice roster guys? Are you going to see expanded rosters maybe like to get – a roster there for that game. I think anything's on the table at this point, but I would also think that you'd hope some of these employers would understand the ramifications and grant a day off or two for for players if they need it. Like uh have a little understanding, a little compassion here. Like I, I don't know what's what's gonna happen. Uh you know, we've seen some teams say that they're going to pay their part-time staff and their arena staff and then during this time, and we've seen other teams not say anything. Um, so it's... I know a couple have already reduced hours for some of their staff. Yeah, like I, I, don't, I don't think there's a... There's no, there's no template or rule book or textbook to navig- navigate our way through no. this. Like, there, there just isn't. Well, and here comes the next problem is, is that... Right now, the PLL, of course, when they set their their league up, they set the schedule intentionally that the NLL season would be finished mm-hmm. when they started. Now, there's a lot of players that have contracts to play in the PLL. So now, if it comes to finish the NLL season off or make your PLL game at the same time, you know, this is where once again it becomes troublesome and it's you know <laughs> pass it down the line. WLA, MSL, if this league is going into June, July, they're going to be starved for players just for their games. Yeah, I think every uh, – it's that's why I wonder, Evan. I really want – like, I don't want to be a pessimist, but I honestly think and, – and this is tough to say – I think the NBA, the NHL, and the NLL seasons are over. Like, I don't think they play another game this year. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far yet. Don't be surprised if even like the NHL or something like that has like a single elimination playoff or something. Yeah. Just to try and bring some resemblance back. But uh, once again, it depends on the timeline. We don't know. And there's just and... there's massive amounts of money on the line here with all these players and owners and buildings and teams. And 
And that's the pressure to get these games in. It's you know yeah. you can say what you want. Yeah, it's about the fans and the game and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, it's about the money and the money that's being lost not playing these games. And my biggest fear is that they try and start things back up before they're actually ready because they're they're missing out on millions and millions of dollars. I, I don't know about that, but I mean this is one thing that. Now, I'm not Nick talking about the NOL here, Evan. I'm talking about okay. NBA, NHL, all of it, like everybody. Fair enough. Okay. And one thing Nick Sakavich was very clear about when expansion took place, he wanted owners with deep pockets. And that's going to be critical here because think about it this way. Some teams have two home games left this season. Some have four. Let's just do some basic math here. For the rush, average ticket price is around 50 bucks times 10,000 that's a half a million a game times four that's a lot of lost revenue that how do you recover it right so but at this stage is the revenue greater than human life of course not right but there's going to be some teams who are already financially struggling going to take an even bigger hit now and that's not going to be easy. No, and that's a that's a real that is a real concern right there. It's got to be for everybody. I mean, I just even the, like you said, the casinos in Vegas right now with no no gambling and no like. Imagine the amount of revenue that those guys are losing on an hourly basis. Oh, it's insane. And now I think back to say 10 years ago when the the housing crisis and everything was going on and there weren't many tourists going to Vegas they were losing they were losing quite a bit there was one casino I believe it was the Cosmo at the time they had just opened they'd opened the exact wrong time and they almost went under and you know, well, I mean, MGM Group probably has the finances to survive this. Yeah, it's gonna be a bad year, but they got the finances to survive it. Yeah. I don't know if everybody does. No, pro- I don't know either. Uh, but again, my my main concern is you don't try and force it back before it's actually safe. Like I I think you, when it's safe, then why not wait an extra two weeks? <laughs> you know, that's that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Um, now here's here's another interesting wrinkle. Okay. Now, it, it appears that the NCAA is going to reinstate one year of eligibility yeah. for every player that just lost a year here. Here's the kicker. We talked about this is the year of Jeff Teat. Okay, he's, grad, he's supposed to graduate from Cornell this year, but if he gets another year of eligibility, somebody out there was going to say, look, we will pay for your master's degree. If you stick around one more year, he might not be in the draft next year or over this fall. Yeah, and that's his decision. Like I've heard football players and basketball players talk about, you know, what they would do if they are offered another year of eligibility. And I've heard some say, like, I it's time to go pro, and I need to get into the workforce, and I like yeah. So but we knows? actually we actually have an example to fall back on here. And that was Duke University about, what, 15 years ago, where Zach, Zach the, team sus- the team suspended play for a year because of an investigation. Zach Rear went and went to Bryant and got his master's degree, yeah. right? So it's, it's fairly real that Jeff Teat might not be available. 
Interesting times indeed here, Evan. Uh, as I mentioned, right on the other side here, we got the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sakevich, uh, going to join the program for an extended conversation. And then we'll kind of we'll banter that around. We'll smack it around a little bit, Evan, and, and talk about what came out of that conversation. And then in the fourth quarter here, we will uh, we'll have a little fun on Lax Class, and and because we won't have games for the next uh, few weeks or the foreseeable future, anyways, uh, we might we might have ha- sh- probably should have picked more teams, Evan. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. We'll have to come up. Oh, with we're new... going to have six weeks of picks here, so yeah. I think we should be good for a while. Okay, six weeks. Uh, let's. Let's hope that's all it is. Uh, so we picked 32. Well, let's be honest here, Evan. I picked a bunch here as uh, we, we – you had the idea. Well, let's let's say how this thing was born. Where Like I was kind of – I took a drive up to Merritt over the weekend and I was talking with Danny and I said, you know, like i I got to figure out how to, how to fill a podcast here uh, for the next couple of months. What am I going to talk about with no games? So we started kicking around ideas, and I, you know, with it being March Madness, I thought, well, if there's only a way. So we kind of figured out that we are going to pick 32 teams here, the greatest box lacrosse team of all time. So we, you had the idea to break it down by decades. So we got the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s, four different well, brackets. The one is anything before 1990. Oh, my bad. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Anything before 1990. A poor wording there. Uh, so, more or less, I went through the three decades, and we picked four Canadian summer teams. So, whether it be MSL or WLA, prerequisite, you had to have won the Man Cup, or you had to have won the NLL Cup or Champions Cup, as it was called back then, to be eligible. We took away the world teams because we figured it was just going to end up as Canada versus Canada in the final, and that's no fun for anybody. So now with this thing completely up for grabs here, we took – so more or less I I went through each decade and I looked at the 10 teams that won the Man Cup. I looked at the 10 teams that won the NLL Cup, and I selected what I thought were the best four uh, from each – each one from the man cup and from the NLL cup. And then we kind of pose that to our group and a couple of little tweaks, but we've narrowed the field down here to 32 teams. And here on this episode, we will look at uh, what, what decade are we going to go into here? We're doing, we're doing the most recent one. So the 20, 2000s, the 2010s. Okay. So we'll do, so, we'll do, we'll, we'll go through those and, uh, and, and- and a little bit of clarification here too for those that uh, might. I know there's going to be a lot of debate over who got picked, and you know here's a prime example. Like for example, a 2014 Edmonton Rush, 14 and two, not eligible. They didn't win. Uh, you can't be the best if you didn't win. But by the same token, the 2016 Rush are in. The 2015 Rush are not because. It's virtually the same team. Yeah, and right? then we had yeah. like uh, the 2003 Shamrocks or the 2005 Shamrocks. We could have picked, uh, you know, those that three-peat dynasty with the Nighthawks uh, where they went back. So we had to kind of – we had a decade. I did my best. I don't – like I think it's good to have the debate. But we'll talk about the matchups coming up a bit later. We'll uh, kind of – we'll each pick a team, make a, maybe make a case for that team on why you think they should win or who should win. And then we're going to pose it to you, the fan. We're going to send out the bracket to you. You make your picks, and then whoever the majority 
of the fans vote for, that team is essentially the winner. Is that Did I explain that properly? Yeah, that's right. So we're going to do half of the round of 32 this week, half the round of 32 next week, and then we'll keep doing a round every week until we get to the Eventual champion. Eventual champion. We'll uh, we'll run down the field for you here uh, for 2000s and 2010s as well. So look forward to that. But uh, coming up here on episode number 71, right on the other side here of Lax Class, the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League will join us. Stick around. This is Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. This is Ryan Banesh of the Halifax Thunderbirds. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Going the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here, episode number 71 in progress. Says we welcome now the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League to the program in one Nick Sakevich. Uh, Nick, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, really appreciate your time. I can't imagine how much you have on your plate to deal with right now, and uh, I really appreciate you making some time here on Lacrosse Classified. Welcome back. Uh, thanks, Jake. Uh, it's good to be back. Always good to talk to you, and happy to uh, continue communicating and engaging with the lacrosse community. Well, I I know you posted up uh, a, a very poignant video on, on social media, and, and I, I just want to say, Nick, uh, right off the top here that I think you and, and the executive at the National Lacrosse League have done a, a wonderful job of, of leading lacrosse through this uh, pandemic. And, and, you know, it's comforting to me to know that the people in charge of the National Lacrosse League um, are doing and taking the necessary steps. So I want to say thank you right off the top. Oh, thanks for saying that, Jake. It's uh, we're all in this together. We got to pull together and just, uh, continue to wave out the storm and I think we're going to all come out at the end much much better and stronger as a result of it so we I appreciate your words yeah and it's it's really a situation that has been not only changing daily but literally hourly here Nick and and I'm not sure uh, what the latest is with you. I, I, you know, maybe I'll uh, let's start there. How are you doing? How is people? How are people around you and and at the National Lacrosse League office uh, doing? Is everybody doing okay back there in Philadelphia? Yeah, no, every everybody's fine. Thankfully, um, we we've had uh, one employee that's getting checked up because he came down with a fever. Uh, I had a little bout of a, a fever over the weekend, but it was just a stomach flu. Thankfully, so I'm. 100 percent today um and and we're all at home uh doing uh what we normally do which is managing this situation and but doing it over the phone and via teleconference and um, but everybody here is doing great um the the whole office every one of us are engaged we've had numerous calls today and conference calls and teleconference calls and just trying to stay ahead of this thing as it evolves and develops so that we can get back to playing lacrosse eventually. So let's go back a week. Um, we've gone from a situation of we're monitoring to limiting player interaction to the seasons on hold. Take us through the process and how this all developed. Well, it all really started um, Wednesday night late when the NBA pretty much surprised all of us and canceled their game in Oklahoma City. Because uh, at that point, as of Wednesday night, we really were all thinking, okay, we're going to continue to 
do business as usual and play games until such time the local governments or federal governments tell us we can't or shut us down or recommend that we should stop events. We heard that um, California was beginning to consider that, and we heard rumors coming out Wednesday afternoon. And then, as you all know, the NBA abruptly suspended their season, and um, and still a lot of NBA games were going on and finished up, but that Oklahoma City game was suspended. And then, of course, you know we all didn't get much sleep Wednesday night, have to say. Uh, huddled up our, our board first thing on um, Thursday morning. And, of course, you all have seen the decision to suspend last weekend's games uh, and um, until further notice, uh, games coming up here until we get through all of this. So uh, in addition to that, we've set out a bunch of protocols to our teams to advising on pretty much what the CDC and Health Canada are advising you know, everything from washing hands to responsible social distancing and, you know, basically telling everybody just stay at home for a few weeks, wave this thing out, the best way to suppress it. The health organizations are telling us that between washing hands and social distancing, it's over 50% um, certainty of a reduction of of risk and spread. So uh, we sent those policies out. Uh, we, we continue to pay our players and pay our referees and, and operate uh, until until further notice. Yeah, that was one of the questions, Nick, on on whether, you know, what the, the plan is as far as insurance and that thing goes as far as keeping, keeping your players paid, keeping your referees paid. So you kind of answered that one right off the top. And when it when it comes to the NHL and the NBA and, and of course, the National Lacrosse League, who, who all kind of share buildings together, the NBA was the first league to say, okay, we're done. We saw the NLL and NHL kind of quickly follow suit. And, and seeing a report coming out today from the, the National Basketball Association saying that the earliest they expect to play a game again is at the beginning of June. I, I find it hard to even think about another one of the, the leagues playing a game before that if, if one league is saying we don't feel safe doing it until this point. Are you guys kind of all in constant communication and discussing these types of things when it comes to your three leagues? Uh, no, not really. Not in terms of resumption of play. And I think we're we're very different than those leagues. And I, th- I believe that that decision was made mostly because of what those league or what that league in particular has in their CBA with regards to resumption of play and the time necessary for athletes to become prepared um, on that kind of subject though we have been in regular conversation with the players and the and their representatives um, they have in fact been very much every step of the way in communication with the decisions that we've made here uh, they're one of the stakeholders that are that's on our speed dial right now um, Jessica Berman's been handling that mostly with Jason Jaros and Dave Suckamore. I had a conversation, kind of aftermath conversation today with Peter Schmitz, and we're and we're working together on what a solution could be, and we will work together on what a solution means that what a solution could be to get back to resuming play and finishing our season and handing out a trophy um, in a, in a good time frame. So, as far as resumption of play, we're not um, 
we're not coordinating coordinating anything with other leagues. That's kind of a personal decision. I don't think the NHL has put out anything. I only see that the NBA has, uh, but we're in a much different situation than that. Do you see a, a situation that, or maybe I'll ask you a two part question here. Do you have a, an end date on when kind of a, a date would pass where you wouldn't think you could resume play and, has there been any consideration to playing the rest of the regular season in, in a smaller confined building with just essential staff, say like the, the Toronto rock athletic facility, or, or maybe even the field house at the Langley event center where you could still play the games, but with no fans and at a, and a fraction of the cost say. Well, it's, it's really not a cost thing. It's more, more of a, what's the right thing to do and how to do it. And certainly everything is on the table, Jake especially when you don't know what next week will bring. Sure. Um, we, we, this is again, a fluid ongoing situation. We have calls with owners and teams every day, multiple times a day. So we're, um, we don't have any definitive decision or end date, so to speak on when we would hang it up. I guess if, if we would go past the summer, I would be very, very surprised because that's not what the medical professionals are telling us. So we're only, we're only basing our decisions on what the medical professionals are telling us and what the governments are telling us. And we, we don't, we, we think this is, this looks and it sounds like a six to eight week thing right now. And people should just stay home, get through it. And we, we will figure out how to conclude the season. So there's no date of, we're going to, we're going to revisit this, you know, uh, on May 3rd, or we're going to reopen it at, at June 15th. We're, we're, we're revisiting it every day, every hour. Okay. Like, it, okay. This is not one of those, um, you know, we're going to sit around and wait until uh, Monday of next week to make a decision. It's we're reevaluating this like literally in real time because it changes in real time. And, and I, know- I think what people are going to see and now that now that testing has become more accessible in the U.S. and Canada, I think we're going to see an uptick of cases, and that's going to freak everyone out. But that's act, our medical professionals tell us that that's a really good thing, because the more the medical um, sector can get their arms around what the extent of the virus is, the quicker we're going to get to um, getting this thing behind us. So, and and listen. It's only fatal to a very small segment of uh, the population, which is elderly with underlying health conditions. Right. And I don't say that so that everyone can take their eye off the ball. That this is a very serious situation that we look we're looking at literally by the hour and as it changes. So sketch, rescheduling games, if the green light were ever happen, must be a significant challenge given. You sometimes play third fiddle in some of these arenas. Players have jobs that, you know, middle of the week might not necessarily work. And you're also now up, you'll be up against the PLL as well. Uh, what's the process, I guess, or do you have a committee, you have a committee of least set up to handle this, do you not? Yeah, we, um, I, I formed an ad hoc scheduling committee. Uh, it's not an official standing committee, but it's a group of board members um, and we're, meeting and talking pretty regularly now to look at what a resumed schedule would look like. Um, listen, the NDA not resuming till the end of June is actually good for us because it may clear some data in the arenas for us to get our season in and 
conclude the season by the end of June. Um, so that that's good news if, if we get through this in that time period. Um, we are talking to the PLL and the MLL. Um, we have a collective 80-some-odd players, NLL players, that play in both those leagues. No commitments have been made, but I'm, I'm hopeful that they will um, work with us to allow us to finish our season, and we are certainly going to work with them so that they can start their season. So um, we're in regular dialogue with both those leagues. Speaking with the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, Nick Sakevich. And, Nick, I know you, you covered this off in a couple other interviews you've done over the last couple of days. Um, the trade deadline is supposed to be tomorrow for the National Lacrosse League. I, I know the, the answer, but I, I see the NFL still operating. They've opened up free agency. What's the plan for the National Lacrosse League with these significant dates to come up? With the postponement of the season, does everything just kind of get pushed back a little bit? Yeah, I mean, everybody should think of the NLL right now as we press the pause button. So things like um, roster cutdown dates and trade deadlines and putting players um, on lists is, is on hold. Every, everything's been paused, and we will uh, make adjustments accordingly as we figure out when we're going to resume play. Uh, Nick, uh, I know the National Lacrosse League, uh, and I heard you say that we're not going anywhere. We're going to be pump- pumping out content, and, and I saw the the birth of NLL Rewind where we've taken the the games of the weeks uh, from, from earlier in the season and are re-airing those on Saturday night so lacrosse fans and National Lacrosse League fans don't have to go without uh, while the, the season is on hold here. Um, can you give us any other tidbits on what we can expect as fans, watchers, listeners uh, from the National Lacrosse League in the weeks to come? Um, yeah, so uh, over the weekend, really since Thursday and over the weekend, our staff has been working on a marketing and, and content plan. We'll be reviewing that, that content plan with the board tomorrow uh, during a call, and then we'll be announcing and rolling out uh, our plan, which includes communication with the fans, more content, more interesting content during this time period. Um, as you saw on Saturday, we, we re-aired the Halifax and Buffalo game, which was one of the more compelling games yeah, good game. of the, of the season. And there are many more that are quite compelling, which I'm certainly going to watch, uh, while we're, we're here at home working. Um, and then, and then, you know, we'll, we'll roll that out. And so I think the fans, you know, we're not, we're not going away. We're, we're going to be front and center on the front foot with, uh, more content, more engagement, and we'll fill the days between now and the time we get to back to playing. So the last time we checked in with you, it was just, the season was just about to start. What are those one or two things so far this season that you've seen a drastic improvement or you're really happy with as progress with the league? Boy, there's so many things. Um, I'd say the one thing that really stands out is the production quality of our games and the BR Live platform. We've had some spectacularly produced games in New York, in Philadelphia, in Halifax, you know, the usual great production we get in Colorado, uh, in San Diego, um, Vancouver. Uh, oh God, I know I'm missing, I'm missing people and I'm going to get called out on it, but, um, I think the production, I think the production quality, uh, overall has been really, oh, Georgia. I can't forget Georgia. Georgia I don't, I don't know if you said Saskatchewan. Really, 
really Saskatchewan. Yes. <laughs> Saskatchewan's another one. Um, I, I, I told you I was going to miss. Yeah, them. no, uh, no. It's <laughs> okay. The, 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 the production has been uh, really a highlight and the proof is that it's been really driving more viewership and more engagement with the fans. So really, really happy with that. That's a standout. And it's great to be doing that in our second year of our BR live deal. And it, it just sets us up to do better and better as, as the, our third year with BR comes along next year. Yeah, a couple of more minutes here with the commissioner, Nick Sakevich. And, and I heard you mention that the numbers for BR are way up. I think ticket sales are up at the midway mark of the season as well. And and you're right, uh, some of the productions in Philadelphia where you're you're hanging out right now, Nick, I, some of the games coming out of there with NBC Sports behind that uh, broadcast have just been spectacular to watch. Uh, and and I think maybe something that, that else that needs to be mentioned is is the rollout back there in the Maritimes that Kurt Stiers and, and the Halifax Thunderbirds have put together. There's a city and a building no. that has really kind of just taken the National Lacrosse League into their arms and embraced it like I haven't seen since Saskatchewan entered the league. And this, to me, just warms my heart to see more fans every single game that they play, and they just love their Thunderbirds in Halifax. Yeah, that, that was my second story, but you beat me to the punch, Jake. It, it, that, that story that's unwinding in Halifax is just uh, one of the feel-good stories of the league this year. I was there um, last weekend for their game against Buffalo, and and it was a you know packed house. So all the fans, like not all the fans, but ninety percent of the fans wearing some sort of hat or shirt or jersey. Uh, the Thunderbirds, um, Mark and and Brand have penetrated that city, and everybody's so excited about that team in that town that that's one of the great stories of the league this year yeah pretty good team too and uh racking up some home wins always helps last one here for you commission and i know uh you came out uh actually in halifax and and mentioned that uh team number 14 was going to be announced in the next 30 to 60 days and it'll be a u.s market i know you you can't tell us what i want to know nick is with everything that's going on here with the league and, and sports and life uh is that announcement still on schedule is any of this going to affect that i don't know uh if, if if i knew i would tell you um we, we are you know in regular conversations with our potential new partners down there of course that interview was done before any of us knew that they were going to shut down theaters and restaurants and sports arenas um we, we think we're on track with them the announcement quite candidly may get delayed um you know i don't i don't want to make any promises right now but yeah. we feel you know we still feel good that we're we're tracking to get our 14th team done okay um that's that's really all i got for you nick the last thing i'll do here is uh, we really appreciate your time and your candidness and your honesty here um if you got a message Forward. for the for the listeners and the fans of the National Lacrosse League before we let you go here, I'll I'll give the floor to you before we say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, listen, fans, thank you. The support has been unbelievable from the fans, from the players, from really everybody in the NLL family for what we're trying to do to try to get through this. So thank you, first and foremost. And then the, the last thing I'll leave with you is continue to tune in to NLL.com and NLL on Twitter and look for all the new content that we're going to be posting. 
um, we're going to be in touch. So please, you guys be in touch as well and keep following us because we'll have lots of good stuff to share with you in the, in the coming days. Just because we're not playing games doesn't mean we, uh, we've gone away. We're not. Nick, thanks again uh, for, for joining us here on Lax Class. Uh, to you and yours, be safe. Everybody at the NLL offices as well. And uh, can't wait to, to get games going again. You bet. Thanks, Jake. Thank you. That was the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. Always a, a great conversation with CNS7, and uh, that one right here on Episode 71, no exception. Yeah, and I mean, we knew that this is a fluid situation, nothing set in stone, but it's at least nice to get an update from the, the top brass as to what the future of the league is at this stage. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break here on Lax Class. Back on the other side, we'll kind of digest that conversation we just had with the commissioner, and then we'll work our way into quarter number four and have some fun as we'll play Who You Got March Madness style here on episode 71 of Lax Class on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games, loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores! Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. Hey, this is Bruce Codd, head coach of the Junior A Orangeville Northman. You're listening to the Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars. All right, Lacrosse fans, welcome back. Lax Class here, episode 71. Uh, thanks to Commissioner Nick Sakavich for coming on the program, Evan. And here in quarter three, uh, oh, before we get started here in quarter three, uh, obviously a, a bit of a challenge here as far as the format goes on Lax Class. And, and part of that comes with our sponsorship here on Lacrosse Classified as well. We still want to make sure that our fabulous sponsors are still getting their recognition and attention that they deserve and essentially getting their money's worth here on Lax Class. So I want to make sure I thank the Vancouver Warriors. I forgot to mention Stampede Tack off the top as well, and obviously this not our normal show, so I apologize for that. Stampede.ca, we're shopping online, is still shopping local. Um, a massive thank you. Goes out to Kevin, Michael Winkler, and, and Naja and, and the whole family out there in Cloverdale who have continued to support the podcast and will do so through these trying times, as will the Vancouver Warriors at VancouverWarriors.com, where nothing's offside. And, and I know a lot of fans, lacrosse fans alike, Evan, and this isn't just for the Vancouver Warriors, but we've seen teams posting up on, on their ticket policy for what's going on right now. And, and the main message here for fans alike is to hang on to your tickets they'll be redeemable at a later date and if it comes to that where they aren't then they'll address that and, and most likely well, I'm sure nobody's going to be left out of pocket yeah. here so nobody's going to lose their money when it comes to a situation like this no uh and in fact most teams use Ticketmaster to sell their tickets so Ticketmaster has a very specific policy when it comes to refunds on events that were either canceled or rescheduled. So there you go, VancouverWarriors.com. If you've got any questions, comments, concerns, you can hit them up on their website uh, or 604-899-4625. And by the way, Evan, uh, I saw a report come down today. Somebody within the Canucks organization testing positive for COVID. So I just uh, 
I hope everybody around Warriors Camp and, and Rogers Arena, the Canucks, everybody, take your necessary precautions, stay home, social distance, get right, get tested if you don't feel well as well. And be safe uh, to the Vancouver Warriors who are proud yeah, sponsors absolutely. here of Black's Class. Yeah, stay safe. And if it takes them a little while to get back to you about questions, understand that there is a situation yeah. developing. Everybody's there. working from home and uh, and some stuff going on. So be safe and, and thank you for your continued support. And uh, I don't know how we – I don't think we're going to have an under-review here this week, Evan. I just – there's nothing really to – to discuss in that regard. And I think uh, my friends at G Wilson construction will be just okay with that as well. So uh, shout out to G Wilson construction. Uh, appreciate your support as well. And, and we'll just kind of, we'll work our way through this, Evan. It's not uh, it's a fluid situation like the commissioner just said, and we'll do our best here on lax class as well to, to keep it rolling. We're worried about having stuff to talk about. We're almost an hour deep into the podcast already. Yeah, I mean, this is the one that we're probably going to be talking the most. Expect in the next several weeks that we're probably going to be down to one guest. Yeah, so get now. your get your fix now, now, and then we'll we'll shorten it up. We're probably going to have we're thinking we'll go with one guest here and probably try and keep them around thirty five forty minutes, something like that. Is we'll play March Madness. We'll we'll talk to some. You know, we may go off the board a little bit. Our our buddy. Steve Holroyd, who helped us with the kind of the pre nineteen nineties, a lacrosse historian. Uh, what's his What's his handle? Is it Retrolax Evan? I think that's where Steve hangs out. Retrolax. He's got some fantastic stuff up on his website, and and a real historian of the game, especially in the the MILL days and early days of the National Lacrosse League. So uh, he helped us a lot filling out that pre nineties bracket. So maybe we'll get like a guy like him on to talk about uh, the yesteryear. Maybe we'll try. We've been talking about getting Sean Williams, the new president of the CLA yeah, on the program. Thing, yeah. Uh, I know the BCLA has got some, uh, some things moving and shaking around that office as well. So, uh, we'll we'll find we'll find people to talk to. We'll continue the conversation, and I and it, we do it because we got to believe that the fans out there, Evan, are going to be are starving for content as well, and and we don't want to go anywhere. We want to keep this conversation going. Yeah, and there's going to be some interesting stories that will come up on. Like, like I'm, we're looking at eight episodes here where we're going to have to fill content, but you know maybe we talk to St. Kitts about the Minto Cup coming up, or. You know, uh, St. Albert about the President's Cup coming up. These there are stories that we can still yeah. fill the time with. We, we won't delve, be short for stories. Yeah, we may delve into to the summer season a little bit while lacrosse season in the National Lacrosse League is on hold. Uh, who knows? We may even have a little peekaboo at the PLL. Should it come to that as well as Josh Courier, by the way, Peterborough Lakers, Calgary Roughnecks, going first overall in the uh, entry draft. Water dogs five, five ring Josh yeah. five ring courier, huh? Yeah, more <laughs> more Canadian content on those water dogs, which just makes me even more fan. So now that's Benny Mack, Westberg, Brody Merrill, and Josh Curry are all members of the Water Dogs. Go dogs, uh roll dogs, whatever you want to say there. Uh, so, I'm still a chaos fan, okay. sorry. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> I know you're Andy Towers, big fan. Hey, but, but apparently it sounds like they got Dylan Ward. Mm. So Well it's okay. Trade Ward. Trade Ward to, <laughs> to the Water Dogs. They may have to with two goalies. Yeah. We'll see. So what was your biggest takeaway out of that conversation there with Nick, Evan? Well, let's start with this and that is their time frame is six to eight weeks which 
is in line with what the CDC recommendation is. But keep in mind, this is fluid. It could be three weeks. It could be four months. Yeah. Right? We're, we're not dealing with this. The second thing is they're going to try and still hoist the cup this year. What that's going to look like, I don't think anybody knows. Um, but the one thing, and I don't know if it came out on the audio, it definitely came out when Nick first got on the line with us before we started hitting record. And you could hear it in his voice how tired he was. Mm. and He was saddened. And this is not easy on him. Well, I mean, it must right be now. just exhausting, Evan. Uh, I mean, and, and again, I you know, I said it to Nick, but my tweet was leaders lead. And I thought coming out with that video that he did and, and addressing the fans and players and owners and everybody the way he did, that, that to me screamed leadership. And I think that's exactly what people need in a time like this. They need to, they need somebody to, to follow. And, and I think Nick and everybody, Berman, everybody at the, the national lacrosse league has, has done and said the right things. And I think in years Mm -hmm. gone by, that might've not have been the case with this. Think about it this way. You know, you got a guy like Dana White, who's, trying to use the situation of no sports on TV yeah, look to at me, look at me. keep his events going. Yeah. Cause, and the NLL could have done that. They could have gone and played in front of empty arenas and, you know, sold TV rights all over the place, but they did the right thing. Yeah. I, I mean that, I will say that was a little surprising to me to hear that. Well, I don't know if surprising is the right word, but they will keep their agenda kind of independent of the NHL and the NBA on what their plan is moving forward when they think, it's okay to return, and it's obvious that they are going to listen to their medical professionals, the governments, and and the World Health Organization. On they're taking their advice. They're not they're not following anybody else's protocol here, which yeah, but which is good. Right? That's to. that's leadership in its own right. There, right? They're yeah. they're doing what's best for their league, and 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 listening right. to the people that they think are the ones to listen to. But there could be a window as well here because. The NHL and the NBA have now sent their players home, right? Mm. So we're talking a whole bunch of players over in Europe and what have you. And when the green light, when, when the green light happens, the NHL and the NBA are going to need time to get these players back and get themselves organized. When the NLL, like I said, is playing they third do, fiddle, they do it on a weekly they, basis. They're used to that. They they may have to simply say, "Okay, we've got the green light to go." Let's go now um, because the other guys are taking a week or two to get their act in order. Yeah. we got to get some games in. Maybe. And, and also that, you know, he wasn't – all scenarios are on the table. So if they feel like there's a need to stay out of big arenas and keep the teams isolated in, in smaller facilities like the LEC or, or even the track in Toronto, then that – they're not opposed – or they're not closed off to that idea should it come to that. I think – more than anything, the commissioner in the National Lacrosse League really want to hand out the trophy at the end of the year. I think that is a huge priority for them. Yeah, and the other thing, of course, to take from that is they are talking to the PLL. They are talking yeah. to the WLA. That's and encouraging NFL, to hear. Because there's going to be a lot of impact the whole way through with players having to play in multiple leagues and what that's going to look like. I can't imagine too many NFL players are going to try and play summer ball until the season's over which is going to have oh yeah it won't happen it won't happen and and 
I, I just again, there's a real encouraging sign for me that these leagues are talking to each other because again, you go back a decade or whatever you want to do, that wouldn't have happened. It'd be like, oh, we're doing what's best for us. We're doing, but now it seems like there's at least some communication between them and. There's some consideration there as well, which is just something we haven't seen before. No, and I mean, in order to be a, a you know to have a successful league going forward, and if, you know the NLL wants to get into that big four in the future. It's going to take time, but they want to get into that big four, make it a big five. They're going to have to work with other people to do that. You can't just bulldoze your way through it and hope to get there. Good point, man. All right, Evan, that was a fantastic conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, It's been a weird episode, but we're going to have some fun on the other side. We're going to take a quick break here, get into the fourth quarter. We'll get you some quick sticks, and then we're going to play. We'll do quick sticks first, I think, and then we're going to play Who you got, March Madness style, 32 of the greatest box lacrosse teams of all time, and we're going to crown a champion in about six, seven weeks from now. Keep it right here on Lax Class and the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Pat Gregoire of Lacrosse Flash, and you're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into quarter four we go. No more breaks. You just heard from Associated Labels and Packaging at AssociatedLP.com or at AssociatedLP as in labels and packaging. What do they do at Associated LP? Well, they focus on people, ethics, and quality. I think that's something all of us could do right now, Evan. Take care of yourself to help take care of one another as we get through this global pandemic uh okay quick sticks right off the top here evan and then we'll get into who you got um thanks to associate labels and packaging sean ashworth and the gang for their continued support as well where am i i got way more pieces of paper than i normally do for an episode i had to do like i think i prepared more for this podcast than i have in like my podcast career evan I'm on the opposite end. It was because I could prepare all I wanted, and within 10 minutes, something new changes, and everything we knew went out the window. I knew I was going to wing most of us. Okay, somebody called me out on Twitter about bringing up Moose Lax 2020, which used to be the Alcan Cup up there in Prince George. Challenge accepted. You just got your shout-out for the Senior C Canadian Championship, uh, BC Canadian Championship. Uh, formerly the Alcan Cup, named after uh, former president of Prince George Lacrosse. Moose Lax 2020, if you want to follow them on Twitter. Challenge accepted. Uh, the Timberman making some moves, Evan, as Lewis Ratcliffe, former NLL star, two-time champion, 
Stealth Roughnecks uh, Man Cup champion as and well. And one heck of a Twitter follow. Yeah, very good Twitter follow. He's He's been heating up lately, no doubt about that. Uh, we'll be coaching the Junior A Timberman, where the former Junior A coach, Dave Bremner, will now be coaching the Senior Timberman, where uh, Caleb Toth used to coach, who is now coaching the Vancouver Warriors as they have parted ways with Rory McDade and hired number nine. Well, and you had a Timberman Junior A program last year that was gave my really good. A they, scare. They, they made the yeah they made the playoffs and they're young. That's the that's the scary part. They're young and with an Adnac team that is going to be in a rebuilding phase for a few years. There's an opportunity to win. And heck, if you yeah, if, I think Lewis is no longer in the top ten. He just dropped down to number eleven, but. One of the best of all time, you know. Just a heads up here, Evan and Coquitlam. They don't rebuild; they just they just reload there in Coquitlam. So they they. Uh, but you're right. They team in. They got a real good player, uh, Young Sheridan, who's got. A, he played. A, I think he was like first year junior, and he was playing in the the playoffs for the senior tournament last year, and scored a beauty backhander as well. Anyway, so congratulations to Lewis. Congratulations to to Bram. And congratulations to, to Niner, who is now back in the National Lacrosse League and will be on the Vancouver Warriors bench when the season resumes. Uh, BCJ and WA coming out with updates. It's a fluid situation, like we mentioned, Evan, and, and WA not scheduled to start until late May. Nothing is happening right now. No tryouts, no practices, nothing like that. But still no uh, definitive answer on when oh. those seasons will begin. Yeah, all CLA-sponsored teams are on hiatus till April 5th at the earliest. There you go. So, and I, and I think it'll be longer by the time April 5th rolls around as well. So there's Quick Sticks. Uh, it's now time to play March Madness. Who you got? Evan, who you got? Jake, who you got? 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 Who you got, March Madness style, still presented by Stampede Tack and Western, where mentioned them just a while ago. But uh, get out there to Cloverdale, or you can shop online. Shopping online is still shopping local. They got the OL Skin uh, collection happening out there, protects you from all the elements, camping, out there walking the dog, whatever you're doing. And don't forget, they got accessories, motorcycle leathers, also boots, jeans, hats, outerwear, all of it. At Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Now, Evan, we kind of let you know what we're doing here. Uh, 32 of the greatest box lacrosse teams of all time. We're going to go through half of the 32 field bracket here. So we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because we got a lot of games to get through. It's been a pretty chunky episode as it's been already. But uh, are fans going to be able to see this bracket anywhere? Is it going to be posted up? Like, are we going to have? Well, we'll post it up, and what we'll do is rather than the the Google Forms that we're used to, is we will put it up on Twitter. In a simple poll: you pick your winner, and by this time next week, whoever gets the most gets the most. If teams start retweeting it and saying "vote for us," great. So you know? we're just strictly going to – I think we should put it on Google Forms and Twitter to get a healthy vote out of this, though. Can you? Well, but the thing is – no, the thing is you just go on Twitter and it's like, okay, if I want A or B, right? It, we don't need to go through the, through the Google Form. Okay, if you say so. 
I just think uh, I don't know if everybody's on Twitter. That's the problem. Like I think if you well, it's time to sign up. <laughs> See how it goes. So let's so let's start in the two thousands here. Top of the bracket, we have the two thousand Toronto Rock taking on the two thousand and seven Peterborough Lakers. Uh, how are we gonna do this? You, you just gonna, are you gonna make your pick and tell me why? Well. No, but uh, well, before we, we get there, for the fans that may be younger or newer to lacrosse, tell them about each team. Yeah, so 2000 and 2000 Toronto Rock, known for the best, maybe the best National Lacrosse League game ever. This is Caleb Toth, the one where he scored the big goal against Pat O'Toole with 1.1 seconds left to win the title, 14-13, the final. I don't know if it's the greatest team or team of all time, Evan, but this is highly regarded as the greatest game of all time. There's a few that I would put in that category, but yeah, and I was watching back, I think, the last five minutes of this game earlier this week, and like, see, not only that, but you take a look at just how many names, and names that are still prominent names, right? Like John Grant Jr. literally getting tackled with about 50 seconds to go and a BTV past Bob Watson, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Okay, so, so you take a look, at, like Mike Hazen was in there. Uh, Paul Day was a head coach even still back in that time. And just go down the list of both teams in that game. It was crazy how many how many talented players a lot are of talent i'm gonna make an executive decision on the fly here evan i think we just do one bracket i don't think we need to go through two different brackets today okay let's do the 2000 yeah so we're it. doing the 2000 so two so t- 2000 toronto rock caleb toth one second left beat the nighthawks 14 13 going up against the 2007 peterborough lakers Evan, this was the very first Man Cup I ever called. It was in Coquitlam, Lakers against the Adnacks. Uh, John Grant Jr. and maybe his prime here in 07, but this series may be known for one Joshua Gillum having a very breakout performance, actually to the point where he was playing a regular shift over their captain Jason Clark back in this day because he was playing so well and you know you're not taking Junior out I think Dan Carey over on that left side as well if I recall this this series went six games Peterborough wins it 4-2 controversy at the end of this is uh, a big penalty called against Kurt Malowski for a chin strap undone but uh, what a memory this is for yours truly 2000 Lakers in Coquitlam winning the man cup so it's 2000 Toronto Rock going up against the 2007 Peterborough Lakers. Now, can I ask you, Evan, who you got? Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. When Junior won that man cup, wasn't that the year that he had, what, three titles and four MVPs in the same year? Something like that? Yeah, I think that was the the massive year there for Junior uh, where he was just winning everything. And, uh, I was like, I was just marveled at Junior mm-hmm. during that time, but uh, he would like he would like bring four sticks onto the bench. He would trade, change sticks mid game, all sorts of things uh, he had going on back then. But so fun to watch, so fun to call my first man cup, uh, Evan. Again, two thousand yeah, Rock really, against really the two thousand seven Lakers. Who you got? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's not easy. Um, here's a bit of the here's a bit of a story on this. 
The first NLL game I ever attended was in mid-January 2000 at the Maple Leaf Gardens. I still remember getting off on the, the subway at College Avenue. One of my coworkers told me, here's where you go. And thinking, oh, it's a lacrosse game. It's 15,000 in Maple Leaf Gardens. How hard is it to get a ticket? And see this lineup from the subway station all the way to the front door of people waiting to get in the building. It was crazy. But I love, love that Toronto Rock team. That is the team I'm taking here. I am taking them as well. I think they win this vote uh, rather easily, in, in my humble opinion. Uh, last game ever played at Maple Leaf Gardens as well. Ed Camo, uh reminiscing about that uh, over 14. No, that was, yeah, final game at Maple Leaf Gardens. What an atmosphere. Joe Bowen on the call there. It was fantastic. So we're both taking the 2000 Rock to beat the 2007 Lakers. Our next matchup features 2007 Nighthawks going up against... This is a juicy matchup right here. 2007 K-Hawks going up against the 2009 Excelsiors. Now, 2000 Nighthawks beat the Arizona Sting 13-11. Junior was named the MVP, went off for eight points in there. It was the Nighthawks' first title since 1997, 14-2 regular season. This game was supposed to be played in Rochester, but I think the circus was in town, so they actually played this game in Phoenix. But the Nighthawks still prevail, 13-11 over the Sting in this one. Now, the 2009 Excelsiors, this was... My second Man Cup I ever called, Evan. And this is highly regarded as the greatest Man Cup to ever be played. Seven epic games at Queen's Park Arena. All four of Brampton's wins coming in overtime. One in double OT, if I recall correctly. I don't know if you've heard the story on this, Evan, but Belly's up a goal in Game 7, under 30 seconds to go, up a man on the floor as well. And a crazy turnover happens. Brampton ties the game. Scott Carnegie, late in regulation, sends it to overtime. Colin Doyle shows up in OT, as he always does in Game 7s, and wins this thing for Brampton. Sean Williams on that team. Dan Dawson saying a 30-for-30 should be made of this series. Featured a full-on bench-clearing brawl in Game Number 1. That's the only video I could find of it, yeah. Just wild stuff. Uh, I actually posted a game of this up on on my Facebook or something. I'll, I'll go back and find it and retweet it if I can. The tape is out there. So, with all that being said, Evan, you know the the history of these two teams. 2007 Cahawks with Junior at his prime against the 2009 Excelsiors with Williams, Doyle, Dawson, Cosmo, beating the Bellies in seven games. Who you got? You know, I, I actually had to go back and look at this Brampton team. I've heard nothing but great stories about them. But, of course, I actually hadn't followed the Man Cup back at that time all that much. And once I started to learn more about it, the choice became obvious. I'm taking the Excelsiors. And you might think an, an MSL team over an NLL team. Some of those <laughs> MSL teams are more loaded than an NLL team. I'm taking the Excelsiors as well. I don't think there's any debate here. What a series. And I and I always go back and think about it. Nothing against Matty Roik, but Tyler Richards, 
Matt Royick were both two goaltenders for the Bellies. They had alternated starts their entire season throughout the playoffs as well, and they did it in the Man Cup as well, except Tyler Richards won three times, Matt Royick won zero times, and then Richards lost Game 7 in overtime with the Bellies. But I just wonder if they had gone with T. Rich in every one of those games instead of flip-flopping, I think the Bellies win that Man Cup. But they did not, so they do not get to compete for who you got's March Madness's all-time greatest box lacrosse team. Give me the Excelsiors over the Nighthawks. Third game, 2009 Roughnecks against the 2003 Shamrocks. And that's Victoria Shamrocks, not the Chicago Shamrocks, Evan. 2009 Roughnecks winning the championship 12-10 versus the New York Titans with the likes of Josh Sanderson, Caleb Toth, a young Dane Doby, Tracy Koleski winning that championship over New York and the 2003 Shamrocks beating the Brampton Excelsiors 4-1 convincingly, swept their opening round, took out Coquitlam in five, and then beat Brampton in five with Lewis Ratcliffe, their captain Darcy Berthume, Anthony Cosmo in net, and some guy named Ted Jenner on that team that I know will be upset if I don't mention his name. <laughs> He's going to be upset at my pick, and I'm, I'm taking the rough next year. Um, you, you look at that roster. I didn't even ask you, Evan, who you got. But, yeah, I'm taking the Roughnecks, and you take a look at this roster. I'm actually surprised they didn't win more with this roster than, than they did. Yeah, and I think the crazy part about that is I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Chris Hall, uh, maybe I'm getting this wrong, could have been Dylan, 2003 Shamrocks coach and 2009 Roughnecks coach. That'd be weird, watching CH coach against himself. Be a lot of yelling. A lot of yelling in that game. All right, so I'm taking the 09 Roughnecks as well to beat the 2003 Shamrocks. Don't worry, Shamrocks fans. Your team will reappear in another bracket. Don't worry. Final game of the 2000s here, Evan, and it features a couple of 2001 rosters. The 2001 Philadelphia Wings winning their sixth title, beating the Toronto Rock in a low-scoring championship game, 9-8. Hollywood, Tommy Marichek, Hall of Famer, Dallas Elliott, Jeff Ratcliffe, Tommy Fair, Sandy, Chris Sanderson on that team. Wings winning their sixth title, which was three more than any other franchise at that point. Buffalo and Toronto, I believe, both had three Leading into 2001, Philly gets their sixth title. Now the Rock have six of their own. But a uh, uh, grinded out kind of a win here for the Wings that kind of ended their big dynasty. Taking on the 2001 Coquitlam Adanax here, Evan, at the PE Coliseum. I watched this Man Cup in person. It was right near the end of my playing career, and I was so jealous watching those two teams out there playing at the PE. Taking on. The Brampton Excelsiors, Sanderson brothers on there. This one went seven games as well. Andy Ogilvy named the Mike Kelly MVP. And it came down to game seven late in regulation on a just a beautiful pick and roll run by one Kimbo Squire and Colin Doyle to win it here for Coquitlam. Now, I know who you're going to take. So 
Let, let's let's start there. I know who you're going to take. Mm. <laughs> I think you would be shot. The, the, be- the better team is who I'm going to take, Evan. <laughs> okay. But I guess I have so much respect for that Philadelphia Wings dynasty back in the day that I can't ignore it, and I'm going to take the Wings. Yeah, I, I'm taking Coquitlam here. Dallas Elliott playing goal against himself here. Played for the Wings in 01. Played for the Adnax in 01 as well. Uh, so some crossover here. I think Tommy Fair on that team as well. But I just go up and down that roster. Colin Doyle and Kim Squire maybe ran the pick and roll in lacrosse better than any two players I've ever seen. Like they were so in tune with each other and – both set such greasy picks. They knew when the slip was coming. They knew how to run a perfect double. They were just magic together. They had a, a good, I want to say like three, four-year run. I think if you ask Colin Doyle who he played best with, he'll he'll say Kim Squire. And unfortunately, things got cut a little short there on, on his side of things. But, man, were they deadly together. So give me Coquitlam over the 2001 Winks. So. We both got the Rock beaten Rochester, 2000 over 2007. We got the 09 Excelsiors beating the 07 Nighthawks. We got the Roughnecks of 09 beating the 03 Shamrocks. And you took the Wings of 01. I took the Adnacks of 01. And that is our 2000s bracket. I think we should do pre-90 next week. Sure. Okay. You got to plug that into the uh, – but. I'm going to have to do some serious studying because I well, really too. didn't discover lacrosse until 1999. So well, like, and, and yeah. like, I mean, I discovered it pretty early, but I wasn't watching the MILL back in 1986 or 87. So uh, I'm at just as big as this. But that's what we're here for, Evan. We'll do the research. We'll sell you on one team or the other, and then you can make your vote. I still think you should send out the Google form and put the poll up on Twitter personally. We'll discuss when we end this program, which is right about now. I think we're done. You good? Yeah, I'm good. I think I'm good too. Uh, speaking of good, be safe out there, everybody. Do the right thing. Social distancing. Stay home for a couple of weeks and wash your hands. Don't touch your face. All that sort of stuff as well. I hope you enjoyed what was a very unique lacrosse classified this week. I can't thank the commissioner enough for making a little time and what is Obviously a very, very busy time for him right now. I want to thank my sponsors again. Our sponsors, Evan Stampede Tack, Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, and G. Wilson Construction. Oh, by the way, something I didn't mention, Pure Vital Labs has sent me a code, and if you're interested, if you're taking supplements, you're on those PVL supplements, or you're thinking about taking some supplements, you want to start, go to pvl.com, and the online store is now up. They've sent me a code. It's Lacrosse Classified 20. Lacrosse Classified 20, plug that in when you make your purchase. You'll get a discount, and uh, we'll, we'll see how things go. We'll see how things go. We're going to talk to, to Ian Bell and, and Ryan Keller coming up in a couple, couple weeks here. But I wanted to get that in before we get out of here, but uh, massive thanks goes out to the sponsors. Of course, you, the loyal listener, for checking out Lax Class every single week. And we'll be back with another bracket for March Madness next week. We'll have another guest lined up, and... We'll just kind of keep you updated on how things are going in the world of lacrosse and life and sports and what have you as uh, as we move along. But for now, we will get you on your way. Be safe, everybody. For Evan Schemenauer, I've been Jake Elliott, and for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, be safe and take care of each other, everybody. <laughs>